Today's Dharma talk is titled uh, Conversations, you know, chatting, conversations with confusion. Might look very logical, very reasonable, very justified uh, in our mind stream. Someone does this or does that or doesn't do this or that. And we immediately go into a rotation around through the thought process thinking, should they, shouldn't they? What should I have done? Could they, couldn't they have done this? Like we could have done this differently. I have to stop thinking this way. Uh, this doesn't seem to be working for me. I have to try something else on and on and on and on. We, instead of looking at the confusion, we are sucked into the confusion by way of trying to figure it out. Well, I got to figure this out. Well, I just need to get, come to grips with this. Well, there's a lots of phrase fillers there or uh, little items that show up in our speech that tell you right away that you are not looking at this as much as just a little gesture can take you can be an indication that you are taking yourself out of the awareness of it because the awareness is just too painful because you are put in the position of knowing that you are helpless you won't hear most people talk about it this way you need to look at that helpless when i say you need you don't need to do anything do whatever you want to do You don't need to help uh, this uh, mandala, this community, but you could. You could go to the website and donate. Or not. You do, do whatever you want to do, but if you want to help, if you feel aligned with what we're endeavoring to do here, then support this. This doesn't happen uh, just with the force of gravity, although that's part of it. So it feels good, though, doesn't it? We're, we're kind of contemplating, well, at least I'm thinking about it. I'm trying to figure this out. And perhaps you're getting help from a friend uh, or from an enemy or from your partner or from somebody else's partner. You're, you're kind of trying to figure how to adjust relative truth so you can squeeze some kind of satisfaction, happiness, success out of samsara, and you can't. And I'm not saying it couldn't happen for 30 minutes, maybe 38 days, maybe longer, maybe three lunar cycles. Or instead of talking to a, uh, a four Enneagram, you need to talk to a seven. I mean, I, I'm not mocking that. That's valuable, very valuable way of looking at a personality and the way it appears different from the personality right next to it. The structure of the way this personality gets what it wants and leaves what it doesn't want shows up in all the, all of these different uh, disciplines, including tarot card readings. I'm not kidding you. Of course, you already know that. So what am I saying about that? Conversations, discussing it with the confusion, discussing the confusion with itself. We break up into parts. So we even say it in a conversation. How many times have you said or heard somebody say, well, a part of me wants to go to Cuba and another part of me wants to stay here. Which one would you go with? Well, if you have family in Cuba, you might go there. Perhaps. And perhaps not because, because, because. Conversations, conversations. I'm not saying they can't lead to some kind of a relative truth that seems like that's what it should be. But that's what it is. Okay, I can... Can hang my head on that. I can. I can do that. Now, now they understand this, but you never can really. When it comes to relative truth, you can't understand it all because 
uh, it is not happening in the sequence that you think it is happening in. It has its own sequence, if there is such a thing as sequence, when it comes to uh, the, shall we say, big picture, big mind. Quite often we get trapped in the story about the story about the story. We get trapped into that because there's a, an incredible seduction uh, that is usually uh, usually loaded with all kinds of emotions and feelings and cause and effect situations that show up uh, as part of your person, personality, part of your life, part of what, part of your autobiography. There's just so much coming forth that will prevent you, hold you back from, and seal you off from seeing what you want to see. What you want to say, what you want to see is you want to be happy. And there's, that, that can happen. That happiness may not show up uh, the way that you thought happiness would be, like getting whatever you want, whenever you want it. How boring is that? Well, you know how boring, boring it is. Anything you get too much of starts to become extra or boring. You need some kind of entertainment going on. So instead of give and take or conversing with the confusion and thinking about it, calculating it, let, let me stop before I go any further. Actually, you may need to do some of that. Some people are so caught up in their mind stream, are so incredibly gifted, shall I say it that way, at thinking and everything about thinking about thinking about thinking about thinking about everything and analyzing and judging and very structural way of approaching everything. Not that the emotions aren't there, but their person has probably learned how to, unless there's some kind of big threat right now, how to keep that back so that they can just think about it. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> I'm not one of those guys. I, I wish I, if I, if I had been able to learn how to do that, I probably wouldn't even be here. As my stepfather used to say, Jesus Christ, Bobby, use your goddamn head. That was my son, Takudo, uh, put that on a little uh, card and put it on the refrigerator uh, in our house and then titled it Dad's, Dad's Early Religious Training. <laughs> Quite funny. It wasn't at the time. I was looking back. And it's interesting how we get our identity from other people, who, especially if they have a force, forceful personality and a forceful delivery, and they don't seem to waver too much. They just come in and they tell you who you are, and, and you, since you don't have anything else, you start to believe it or think, well, that's, that's probably the case. I guess I'm not very good at thinking about stuff. <clears throat> So what am I saying here as a, well, I'll tell you what I'm saying, as a way of working with the confusion, working with the suffering, that word, here comes that word again, working with the tendency to be seduced into th to thinking that you can figure it out. That tendency is very, very powerful. After all, haven't we figured out a whole lot of stuff? Of course. We, and we've maybe been relatively successful in lots of ways. 
what's being recommended here is that you turn your awareness to everything that is arising in consciousness. Hold very still, hold that part of the consciousness, which is the body. This is consciousness, by the way, just on a very low frequency. Hold, hold that part of the consciousness, which may be this, maybe some aspect of the mind where you're slowly able to, instead of produce, 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 produce thoughts, thinking about, thinking about, thinking about, thinking about, thinking about confusion, talking to the confusion about the confusion and what you could do about confusion to get the confusion either back off or at least show why it has the right to be here, why the cat confusion is actually valid and therefore I need to do thus and so or this and that. So hold everything still and you'll notice that which continues to move and hold everything still symmetrically so that you notice the asymmetry of the mind. The asymmetry of the mind is not something you need to correct, but you do need to see it. Because if you don't see it, then what happens is a fixation on whatever arises in the mind in terms of your idea about what just, is, what just happened, your idea about what happened, sometimes called an opinion, sometimes called a conclusion, sometimes called ignorance. And the path leading to that is that ignorance is usually passion or aggression, usually turns into ignorance before it turns back into uh, the other side of the wheel. Giving us the illusion of what? Time and space. It's unreal. It's relatively real. But if you see what this is, you'll see that it is uh, an illusion. Looks powerful. Most of the world, I don't know what percentage, I'm not a statistician, statistician but it looks like just about all of it is running on uh, time and space. Running on time and space. Have you noticed that looking at a watch where you're just looking at the buckle, you can't tell what time it is? But you're actually probably closer to ultimate truth when you just look at the buckle. Because there isn't anything but this, there isn't anything but now. And this is a lie. But at least it's a lie that is circular and is going in cycles, which is telling you over and over again, everything you think is something is showing up and going away and showing up and going away and showing up and going away, including the uh, illusion of your identity of yourself keeps as soon as you go to sleep, everything vanishes. You don't know who you are. You don't care who you are. And then, and then you come into a dream state and you might end up being, you know, someone in, uh, uh, in New South Wales raising kangaroos. Totally ordinary. Been doing that for years and years. So watching, observing, looking at the movement without adding anything, without subtracting anything, and without shutting down. You've heard me say this hundreds of times. I'm going to keep saying it because I would like you to consider that and take your what you think is you to the wall, sit down, hold still, watch, watch the movement of the mind and see the way in which the confusion continues to make sense in one area and not in another. A part of me wants this, as we hear our own, ourselves say and hear others say, and a part of me doesn't. Well, a part of me wants this, part of me wants to go to New South Wales. 
part of me wants to stay in Missouri, or is it Missouri? Silly ideas uh, from the point of view of my creativity is at an ebb, but I'm just saying that it's like that. It's like part of me, but a part of me would divide ourselves up. If you don't divide yourself up, yourselves up, uh, what happens? Then that self-centered mind, the ego mind, gets confused because then it's too much on the razor's edge, too much in the middle of everything. It needs to have a reference point, and it will buy into a, a terrible, bad, evil reference point, like like hitting someone because they're not acting like you think they should, or obeying someone, doing exactly what they say. And you know, you should get away from that person. Not give them one more moment of the pleasure of dominating you. That's hard to do. It's even hard to do with a sitting practice of meditation. Sitting meditation won't solve it. It'll just, it will just over time, It'll make it more and 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 more clear to you what that is and what this is. So you won't get your idea of the nature of reality of the universe from anybody else, including the Buddha. You don't get it from anything. You see it. And when you start to speak out of what you see, it's interesting, but quite often, the, what you're saying aligns with what the Buddha was pointing at 2,500 years ago. Nothing is separate from, from anything else. You see it. You actually look at it. And it, to you, it's ordinary. It's not some special, wonderful view of we're all one and some of that bullshit. Change of mind. What are you pointing at with the asymmetry of the mind? With what? The asymmetry of the mind. Just that it's off balance, it's going this way and that. And it's never just the body is to, if the if the body mind are not uh, separating themselves and in conflict, then when the when the body sits down like this, the mind will just be here. It would just be present. That's not a, an appropriate word. Present it doesn't really work because present means there's something that's not present. But we use dualistic language to point to it. But if, if you sit like this, nothing else happens. It's just stillness. That's actually the case even when you're jogging. But you have to realize it. You can't just try to make yourself feel like you're still or you're symmetrical. This is obvious symmetry. It's where we get the word from. We said very still. But even this is different. One hand is above the other. Even this is different. If you look at a human face, there, it's just a little bit off. You know, one ear is bigger than the other, or yeah, or, or your one your nose doesn't have only has one nostril. So to you don't see those people very often. Is that humorous? So do you see asymmetry? It's just it's just a way of saying you can hold the body very pretty symmetrical and still, but you can't do that with the mind. Because the way the whole dynamic shows up is to separate the two, the two situations are not actually two situations. They're one situation that has the ability or the pliability or the 
the quality of being able to separate. Just like sometimes you'll see incense smoke come out of the incense and there'll be two smoke trails that'll go out of that. Separates. What's he doing that for? You know why? Oh, you have a question? If someone sees what this is, does that asymmetry go away? No. It does, doesn't have to change into something else. You just have to see it. And then if you see it, you're, you're finally, you could say it this way, you're finally genuine. You're no longer trying to be somebody else. You, you, you finally are just receiving the entire world as it is. That's all the sense fields do is receive, you know, produce anything. Don't you value in that situation where it looks or feels like our identity is splitting and part of me wants this and part of me wants that. For someone who sees through the identity, when that situation shows up, what does that look like to them? Just what you just described. Looks the same. Is saying part of me wants this and part of me wants that a misunderstanding or a confusion of what's happening? Yeah, it's confusion. It's going, it's, it's being pulled this way or seduced into going here. And quite often it's based on hope and fear. It's hope for something better, but fear of something worse. Like, I want to do this. I want to change jobs. But because I'm so invested in the result of every damn thing I'm doing. Like I have to control everything. I can't just do something spontaneously, uh, just simply move towards this or move away from that simply. There's always some kind of a politics going on there, argument back and forth between this side of oneself and the other, this aspect of the personality. If some people you can talk to them and you can you can watch the conversation going. You're talking to one person, but you can see you're talking to two people because it's split up. Sometimes that gets its extreme and it becomes what medical condition more. Is there a more direct way to relate to that situation when it happens? You mean to you or to someone else? To you? The most direct way to relate to any situation, no matter how polarized, is just to look at it and look at the polarity instead of trying to fix it. I have to like trying to decide something. If you're if you're trying to decide whether to go this way or that way, uh, this is just the very nature of samsara. There, there is no other way than this. It's just this. More. It's a good good area to go into. I'm happy to that with you. When you're bowing, what is it to not be genuine? What does that look like, bowing? Well, just to be caught in self-validation of grasping. I, 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 I want this. I'm going to get this. I need to do this because, because, because. So I'm totally separating yourself from, uh, from the person sitting on the couch across the room from you into what you need, what you want, and what they're stopping you from getting. And on and on, all the stories. But to believe in the stories, uh, believe in one story is right and the other story is wrong. My story is right, yours is wrong. Or mine is wrong and yours is correct. And why can't I be more like you? Why can't I, why do I keep falling into this terrible thing? 
Why can't I be? Why, 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 why? Uh, circularity, circularity. It's like three o'clock, it's nine o'clock. Three o'clock, it's nine o'clock. That's why I'm, I say use an analog watch. It's telling you, uh, showing your, your, you your confusion. Now you can use the second hand or the minute hand or the hour hand or the, the quatrefoil hand. Most people can't see that because it's, it's on the watch face, uh, especially if Timex has that. Uh, has that, and it's, uh, well, it's invisible. There's four points on it. That's why they call it quatrefoil. More? Well, let's talk more about quatrefoil. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask about that. Does yours light up? Mine does light up, I see. <laughs> I can't see there's too much light in here. Go ahead. <laughs> Is not being genuine then confusion it's it's being enveloped in the confusion of this and that self and other and uh, to simplify it and just just it can be incredible fear and suffering and pain that is uh, can be unbearable uh, when it's when it's really really deep it might be in your living room but you can be in hell and be in your living room you can be in an emotional hell and have it be worse than your house burning down, the intensity of it. Bowing. So you say see it um, or then fixation occurs. Does seeing this as illusion then free us from fixation? <clears throat> so not in the literal sense as fixations over here and finally whew, got rid of it. Finally, I'm running away from the fixation. It's more that you're free of the attachment to anything, and you don't. It doesn't make it any difference whether it's fixation or a smelly fish. It's you're just free of it, even though it's right in your nostrils. You're no longer fixated on the very suffering that comes. This is what the Buddha was talking about. He didn't soft pedal anything. Life is suffering. Life is suffering. If you understand. Uh, the Four Noble Truths, you're awake. But, but you have to understand them. You can't just understand them so you can teach them at the university or give a class in it. Not that the class in it isn't important. We have to start somewhere. We start with provisional teachings, which is what, uh, what's your name again? Chiazan is teaching. Um, what day was it? Fridays. So structures about concepts about it, but everything that is conceptual there eventually becomes uh, through the path, through the path of awareness, through the path of witnessing, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, whatever comes up, that's it. Whatever comes up, that's it. You don't have to grasp it. It might grasp you. If it does, so what? Not even so what? That's dismissive. Just there it is. And that's too much. That's too descriptive. It's just as it is. And even that's extra. So it's done with the awareness. This is why we keep, I keep shaving off word after word until there are no phrase fillers left. There's no, there's no substitute for, for what is being pointed at when we say awareness. You often say, don't abandon the confusion. How do we abandon confusion? Well, a simple way is uh, we're having confusion and we, we want to we stop the confusion, so we take drugs. So, and I'll follow that up with, I'm not saying that if you 
have extreme depression uh, and, and it's really, really difficult for you, and, and even life-threatening, that you shouldn't take Prozac or Wellbutrin or maybe one of the other drugs that I don't even know about, perhaps. And so that, that is a, a kind of like deliberate kind of ignorance. Let's cover this up. Uh, those drugs do not tell you what it is. I don't know if there is, is a, there are ways, there's psychedelic kind of therapy and different kinds of therapy. Maybe there's something out there that, that works very well. I don't know about so possibly. But what I, the way I understand it is through, it's the awareness. Uh, strengthen the awareness so you can see what it is that you're trying to put, push away. This doesn't mean that there aren't, isn't some kind of chemical imbalance. This is not separate. So yes, there could be chemical imbalance where you might need that. That's something to ba balance you. You might need, uh, and I don't remember all the terms there, but I've run into them every now and then. So it's very situational. You, we should do whatever we need to do and not follow a standard so that you have, you have to meditate no matter what. You can't ever do, do anything else. No, you might need to stop meditating and go jogging. But another time you, this, you might need to stop jogging and sit down for a while. It would be just the opposite with two different people. That's why it's so very important to have a teacher. Very important. And it needs to be a true teacher, not a teacher who is promoting anything or who is uh, looking for some kind of power over others. It needs to be somebody who, who will meet you where you're at. And when you ask questions or inquire, they meet you. They're direct with you and will fundamentally help you without making your life even more difficult. Sending you packing in some other direction. That's not easy to do. Not everyone is ready for this kind of a radical practice. Some people need to just do something simple, something simpler, or maybe maybe no meditation at all. More. On the cushion, how do we abandon confusion? Could be by switching gears. Uh, we we have the confusion. We deliberately go and think about something else, but it's just get, getting too difficult. So we just uh, abandon that and go and think about uh, you being an accountant with that kind of thinking process, ability to think in that way could go into some man mechanical form of thinking. I'm not saying you do, but it could go into another area where the where the dreaming area, which is very susceptible to uh, fueling the confusion. Like you could possibly go into that. And there's countless ways that you could do that. We talk more. If you have more, go ahead. Well, I'm thinking of when you see thoughts arise. Yes. And you see see them as, as thoughts, see the space around them. How do you not abandon confusion? Do you continue uh, to look at the thoughts? Yeah. But not the content, volumes? Look at whatever's there. Don't 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 uh, don't necessarily discriminate between anything. Just look at it. If any kind of discrimination, sometimes called discriminating awareness wisdom, that shows up, it will just show up on it without any, any, anyone, uh, uh, anyone behind the whole thing, anyone pushing that kind of activity, or that kind of understanding. So just observe it, yes. Just, hmm? You. What about, so in that case, uh, moving to the space, is that abandoning the thoughts, the confusion following? Not necessarily. It's your mind stream. Uh, there's no ownership there, but 
the consciousness that, are, that is arising as the illusion of a separate being. It's just consciousness only. It doesn't belong to anyone, but it has an appearance. It's, almost, it's kind of like it's on loan, but not really. Just some kind of separate quality called the human form. But this all comes apart, but who you are does not come apart. It has not been put together. It's not compounded. Your actual identity is not compounded. This, uh, you are the consciousness that this is arising in. This whole room full of people, the trees, the butter lamps in Tibet, if they're still burning. That's all arising in your consciousness. Consciousness doesn't arise in you. It just looks like it. What about so? You often say clear. Um, we have clarity about confusion. So. On the cushion again. Yes. When we're watching thoughts, watching whatever arises, is all of that confusion? Yes. Is whatever arises in consciousness confusion? If it's in rising in consciousness, then it's just a lot of stuff. If you're aware of it, is it still confusion? Uh, l less. But there still could be a quality of grasping, rejecting, or shutting down. That's what you're watching. The, the focus initially is on what it is, uh, its name, its uh, meaning, uh, the qualities, right and wrong, up and down, back and forth. But then eventually, uh, eventually it starts to show what it rises in consciousness is how much you want it, how much you don't want it, or how much you want to block it out or stop it. Those are the, that's the, the upadana part, that's the grasping part that comes out of the desire, that comes out of the feeling, that comes out of contact and so on. Go ahead. So all of that is confusion, the desire, yes. the grasping. That's it, that there's a being, being a, a, a sense of someone going somewhere, getting something. So as long as there is a belief in a self that is observing, that everything is confusion. Wow. As long as you believe you are somebody that's observing stuff or that's feeling things and you think those are your possessions, those feelings, you're having the feelings. It's very interesting to have really intense feelings and, and know that they're not happening to a person, but still hurt like hell, but they're not happening to a person. They don't even have to go away. This doesn't mean you're some kind of stoic, uh, heroic figure who is, uh, is, is able to withstand anything. It's not, it's not uh, that kind of heroism, let alone courage. I, I don't even use the word courage. No, not the, you can't. I just don't use it. So when we're looking at what moves, we are endeavoring to see the self or the ego, the false self or the ego? Well, conceptually, but we're just, we're just trying to see what this is. Instead of buying into, I'm somebody looking at something else. So we're just, by just watching the movement, 
you will be introduced over time. Eventually, you will be introduced to an apparent identity that is aligned with the consciousness that is producing uh, thoughts that you think is producing thoughts or that is witnessing things that it looks like they're out there when really they're not they're not even in here but they're more likely to be missed in here whereas out there you can you run you can run away from them you can knock them over uh, you can support them or pick them up but th that's all happening within consciousness could that be called othering maybe something something else something else. it's that it's that blaming crediting anything outside even though there's a relative structure that might make it provable you could take it to court and say yes this person did help and do this and do this and this but you can't find the first cause that's why it's so difficult and that's why some people just stay with a mundane path because at least there you can get some results there's even psychotherapists who are it's a claim to have a Buddhist uh, orientation. But anytime you're about fixing anything and repairing anything, even healing anything, it's uh, suspicious. Over here it is. But it might not be to, to that person, and I would respect that. If someone teaches in a different way, I would respect that. Sir? Paul uh, Bowing. Uh, what does consciousness look like without an identity? claiming ownership on it. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't look like anything. Uh, are you saying then consciousness is emptiness? Yeah, I don't know. That gets a little corny. Um, no conclusion. No exclusion. No ignorance, no, no, no otherness at all. You go back to that same word, empty of other, uh, empty of, of, of uh, another, another thing or another size, em empty of that. So one of the words, of course, is emptiness or shunyata. Those are used, but they're more path. They're talking about path, talking about the path quality of it rather than some kind of a fundamental understanding that that everything drops away there, all of the, the basic teachings, everything drops away. When I say drops away, it doesn't actually do anything. It just stops being separate. So therefore, everything you see is very mirror-like. It's not actually a mirror, and it's not even mirror-like. need to say something. So that's what, that's what we say. Or some people say, Chisho. Chisho uh, Does an intention or attitude of being prepared to lose, does that help while dealing with the uh, asymmetry of the mind? Bye. Yes, I think that very well said. I, I think it does. Uh, and it's difficult, just Trunk uh, Parampa Chase. One of the, his uh, uh, slogans, uh, and I don't know where they made it up or got it from somewhere else, but, uh, but said a willingness, a willingness to be a fool, just a, a willingness to, instead of this constant protecting ourselves against looking wrong or what if somebody noticed that we're not very smart or what if we don't get something right or we can't really do this because 
any number of things, but just a willingness to just fall apart and be foolish or look foolish. I just got on TikTok, or actually Zim put me on TikTok. I made the big mistake when I'm busy protecting my identity here and my, in my uh, what's that called? My, my image, my public image. I made the mistake of dancing in the middle of the, of the Zendo. What did somebody do? Sent it to Zim. What did he do? Put it on TikTok. So now I, every now and then I have to go in and look at that dance. I love to watch people dance, but I don't particularly care to watch myself dance. That's not too uh, graceful. So, but a willingness to do that. So, okay, it feels foolish. So I'm not talking about willingness to be a, a fool where you never really have to experience this because your wonderful willingness to be a fool is so powerful that you're always ready for foolishness, but it doesn't happen. No, the actual foolishness comes up and actually shows you full of yourself you are and how little you know about any damn thing. Isaac. What, what is the fourth great precepts, the illusory words pointing to? Um, I don't know, one of you bodhisattvas want to answer that? Why don't you answer it? When you say stop lying, <laughs> but first you have to see the lies. You have to see that you're probably lying every time you open your mouth on some level. But one just to say, well, I think you shouldn't do that, or I think this, or I think that. The, the primary um, misunderstanding is that there is a person, so we're always lying. As soon as you say I, there isn't anyone. There is no I. There's some dynamic that shows up that way. It would be a very good thing since you're sewing a rock suit. It would be a very good thing for you to contemplate that one. Write it down, memorize it, read the long form, read the short form of it, contemplate it. And notice that you don't have to stop lying, even though it says don't lie. You don't have to stop killing things, even though it says don't kill. You don't have to stop, but be very aware anytime you're taking the life of anything. Be very aware of what that is. You can't live without taking life. And some people, but I believe it says all words are expressions of the true Dharma. Yes. How, how is someone that expressing confusion, whether that's myself or someone else, how is that an expression of the true Dharma? Because if, if one is, uh, one who sees, the one who understands, one who is, uh, who is no longer uh, uh, locked up by their uh, beliefs or opinions or confusion, uh, then they can't speak anything but the truth. It's not that they're intending to speak the truth. They just, they speak the truth. That's fine. So, which is, just to give you a little bit more help there, which is also a lie. Because anything coming out as an expression is a relative, it's dependently arisen. So on its own, it might be relatively true, but it's ultimately incorrect because it's appearing and it goes away. So it's as a temporary quality, which means has no duration. Go ahead. I think I answered my next question. Okay. Yes, Kevin. Kevin Bowling. 
when we become aware of these conversations and maybe they're quite habitual, is there a case for cutting them rather than just observing? Um, just repeat that, I got distracted by Kelly. Stop being cute. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Bowing, when we notice the conversations with confusion, is there a case to be made for cutting rather than just observing? Bowing? Yes, but cutting Cutting is, and that's used, in, especially in tantric uh, approaches, working with the mind. But that cutting needs to be not, not uh, your awareness, your clarity, your seeing of what is there is so clear that that's the only thing you can do. That you, you, it has to be cut. But there's no one who, aha, I think I got this. I'm going to get out the sword of progeny and I'm going to whack that thing to bits. And that'll be the end of my problems. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. It has to be, it will, it will come out of nowhere, uh, you know, like a, a ghost coming out of the closet and you'll just do it. With no past and no future, there'll be no justification. And if it's followed up by any kind of justification, then you weren't really there. And that was, that was operating in a, uh, more of a, I need to, stop this or start that, more on a passion, aggression, and ignorance. But the cutting needs to be complete, thorough. Kevin Bowie, what distinguishes, so is the distinguish, what distinguishes aggression and pushing away from, say, the karma of destroying violence? It's a little bit too, has too much whipped cream on it. You want to just run that by me again? Make it as raw as you can. How can I tell the difference between pushing something away because I don't like it versus cutting? So as long as you're in a versus mentality, you need to watch that polarity for quite a while before you uh, drop anything into gear. Just, just watch the polarity there, and um, it's about awareness rather than about being right, or awareness rather than avoiding being wrong. About the awareness of it, you may never really, um, you may never cash that situation in. It might, might be your awareness of that, and what comes out of that may be barely noticeable to you, so, because you won't, you're not operating out of right and wrong anymore. And so, and without right and wrong. How do you know what the hell you're doing? So without without the ballast or the balance uh, of that coming out of samsara, out of relative truth, it's hard to know what's going on. So contemplating that, that may arise, but there'll be no credential with it. Are you following me a little bit? Okay. Kevin Bowie? Yes, sir. That's what the image of the ghost coming out of the cupboard is. Yes. Closet. Closet. Get it right. <laughs> the closet would work, I guess. No ghost. Go, go, go. Where was the? Where did? Where did I miss death? I miss. Oh, good. <laughs> because. Yeah. So it's it's basically saying this. It's not definitive. So it's not. You can't. 
see, it looks like something might have been cut, but there was no cutter present and there was no cutting and there was nothing cut. Threefold purity is another way of saying that in traditional sense. The, the threeness of something suddenly collapses into nothing happened at all. So you say the threeness? Threefold purity. You can look it up in any, any Buddhist... Uh, um, I just couldn't hear you. Yes, yes, sir. Anyone on... Uh, my goodness, there's 45 people there. I can't see uh, 20 of you on the screen. So if you have a question out there, just speak up and I'll, I will listen until you. Well, then I will ask you guys a question out there in TV land. What the hell are you doing here? No questions. Let's see. Kyushin bowing. Um... When, um, when you talk about all the sense doors and just receiving, um, one time you said maybe maybe more than that. Why uh, you said like the visual part of it is is even uh, to be emphasized or watched more carefully or something like that. Like it's more important. And and uh, I was wondering why is the visual more important? Well. There's a lot to be said about it, but I, I can put it fairly simply. All of the all of the senses. Let's take the the five sense consciousnesses. That all of those uh, are um, all of those are very are very intimate. Uh, even sound is like kind of in our ear, but even though it's across, we have a visual uh, reference because there's someone over there, thirty feet away, playing a guitar, uh, but. But uh, the smell of something, the fragrance of something, the taste of something, uh, the touch of something, the feeling quality, everything is right here with this body, uh, with the first uh, skanda of form. So it's always infusing, informing this as being your ear, your hearing, your smelling, your tasting. They all seem like this. We're so identified with this body as being us. And this is just a this is just one big nerve ending of the universe. It's just your, you. <laughs> And but it's like the nerve ending got really self-conscious and decided to be somebody special and started getting, you know, going for a haircut. So they look special. So further. Sense of seeing, even all the, all the other senses, including thinking, ha seems to happen here. It doesn't actually happen in here. We just think it does or scientists do. But actually, there is no spatial uh, reference for that. Um, Consciousness is what I'm talking about. So of all those senses, even though sound uh, comes from over there and uh, other things are on the tip of your tongue or in your uh, olfactory uh, sense and so on, sight is over there. It's just obviously, you know, let me fling this. It's over there. It's not over here. That's why you can watch somebody get not you, I'm sure you wouldn't do this, but you can watch somebody get totally abused, harmed, hurt, like you had to witness last night in your neighborhood, something like that. And it's, it's, just, it's, in, it's in the distance. You know, it's somebody else, it's somebody else's situation, it's their situation. It's not me, it's not over here, it's over there. So 
this is why the, the when I say why, don't misunderstand me. I'm not I'm not particularly judging people who practice vipassana or any other kind of any meditation. But you could look at it, you could consider it. As soon as you close your eyes, all the other senses will agree everything's happening right here. Everything is right here. Whereas you open your eyes, then there's this big expanse out in front of you called your living room or your meditation hall or a football field or what's that new telescope? Huh? James Webb. Webb telescope. You can see a long way if you look that way, and you can't look to see very far if you look this way. I'm just saying it's an intense uh, and insistent uh, structure and consciousness that is set that says everything is separate. It reifies that. Sound does the same thing. You hear sound, uh, it's a distance away. You can kind of have a sense of gap or distance there. So it reinforces the separate identity and so beyond that all i would say is just just be aware of that just be aware that what you're looking at actually is your own projection you're, you're seeing what's happening is um you know it looks like we're looking at something but actually something's looking at us uh, it's the, the the tree branches the sun as you probably know i need to explain it here the sun is hitting the tree branch or the the leaves and that is coming towards us and we're receiving that everything you receive everything same thing with thoughts you receive thoughts i'm receiving thoughts right now we all are just receive isan isan bowing um that tree image is a nice one um so my question is uh sometimes the sense fields bring in uh, something that feels like it's in the heart, you know, the, the taste of raspberries or the beauty of sunshine through the trees. Is that emotion still confusion? Yes. Pleasant, though. So it, it's confusion uh, because there's someone who's experiencing something else. It's pleasant for receiving that pleasurable. Nothing, nothing uh, wrong with that. Nothing. There's nothing to correct. It's just uh, awareness that that arises in awareness. Everything is a everything is arising in awareness. Pleasant things, unpleasant things, neutral things that have no meaning to us. Is there some way of practice? that would be helpful in um, recognizing that that as confusion and not taking it any place. Yes. Just watch how you take it someplace. Let's just start with your using your question. Just notice how you something shows up. The receiving of it is completely enjoyable. And then we do something with it. Or we, we want more of that. Uh, greed starts right there. Or we want, or we want a little bit differently. We would like a little bit more sunshine or a little bit more chocolate on our ice cream. So some kind of a second noble truth, wanting things to be different than they are. 
course, the obvious way this shows up is when we are in pain, we want that pain to go away. Completely reasonable, makes total sense. But we are actually disagreeing with dependent origination. You're actually trying to set up yourself as your own little nerve ending uh, that has some kind of say so. Uh, like Trungpa Rinpoche would use a um, grain of sand in the middle of the, of the Sahara or some desert. We're, we're, we want some to be special, we want to be someone. Last question. So that takes me to a place of, so what's the point of being here? You know, if, if we, if we're not experiencing joy, pain, you know, if, what's the point? So the very nature of ego is to ask, what's the point? Because the ego's over here and looking at everything else. What's the point? And this is what was difficult for the existentialists back 100 years ago because they were they could see the kind of relative emptiness. What's the point of this? But there was no mind training to see what the true. They just bought into their true nature of a really smart intellectual. Uh, you know, read any of them, Albert Camus uh, or the other existentialist, Kierkegaard. They're all trying to make sense out of something and then present it as this is how something makes sense or doesn't make sense or how the how the nonsense making aspect of life actually does make sense in a deeper level. And that all kinds of thinkers toiling around that. Uh, the myth of Sisyphus, if you read that, where the Sisyphus, Sisyphus is pushing a rock up the hill, rolls back down, push it back up the hill, rolls back down. So pretty much any nine to five job is like that. <laughs> You haven't noticed. Push it up the hill, rolls back down next day, come back in, same rock, different hill. And uh, we just keep, keep doing it. But what's the point, actually? Uh, the point is to find out what, who is it that's asking that? Let's find out, is there someone that actually has an interest in what? What you're doing is you're acting out in a very simple way. I'm not accusing you of anything. I do it too. So I know about this for you to sit here in you're, you're born you're here and instead of just and there's contact uh, and there's feeling and then there's uh what's the point so and so then the, that's the feeling part of it. what's the point some kind of existential uh drifting what's the point what's the point teenagers do this all the time uh, young people driving in a car who are 10 years old do this all the time. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? What's the point of being something where you're not there yet? You should be there. So this is why we create games of counting telephone poles and uh, blue Chevrolets. If you've had children or if you've done one. Mm -hmm. So the so the idea there is just to your what, what's the point? I'm not saying get rid of that or stop asking that, but just say, when you say, what's the point, you could inquire a little bit deeper and saying, who wants to know that? What, what is it that, that needs a point? Is, do I need a point? Mm. Look at all the incredible, uh, incredible um, expression of relative truth, flowers, humans, voices, 
children. I'm not trying to sell you on uh, some kind of God realm, but I'm saying everything is incredibly vivid and blazing and present all the time, past and future, extra. There's just this, and it's overwhelmingly present. If you're on receive, everybody hear that? Receive, whatever shows up, I don't care how shitty it is, I don't know how, how great it is, or how neutral it is, just receive it. Don't add anything on, do no calculation. That's a big assignment. How do you do that? Meditate for 20 or 30 years. Sit down, hold still, face the wall. Have a teacher, have a, have a teaching, and have a community. Without that form, uh, then what's the point? Thank you. Thank you. One last question. Kirshen Bowing, like, like I was talking to somebody earlier, and to me, like the perfection. Yes, yes, a Dharma discussion. Oh anyway, it was, uh, it, was about, it was about the perfections or the noble qualities, and even, I would say, awakening also. To me, that's my purpose. So what you were just saying with the last person seemed like purpose wasn't something to look for. So what's your question? It, am I on the right track? If I, Like I asked myself, well, what is my purpose? So I... I you know, I set my intention for these perfections and for awakening. And so I think that's my purpose. And okay. um, something you said a minute ago seemed like maybe that's not the right track or whatever. I wasn't talking to you, talking to her. Okay. No, no you're on the right track. Keep doing it. Okay, good. You'll find Thank it. You. She'll find it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot. Val. Okay. You can go elsewhere. Hi, this is Chiezan, the prior at Sokokoji Buddhist Monastery. Sokozan offers these talks without expecting anything in return. If you value these talks and would like them to continue, please visit our donate page at www.sokokoji.org. Thank you.